Hello again, my lovely listeners. This episode comes with a warning. And if you think you'll be triggered by hearing detailed stories about domestic abuse, I advise you not to listen, but you can always go and listen to my bonus episode 14, where I'll break down all the different behaviours from this episode and some useful tips and advice on dealing with the effects of domestic abuse. In this episode, I speak with my guest about her abusive relationship and how quickly it can happen and how she escaped. Welcome to The Secrets in the Powder Room, where we share stories and open up conversations about all the secrets women are forced to keep out of fear and shame. I'm Louise Bryant, professional certified coach, intuitive eating counsellor, a trauma-informed domestic abuse specialist and survivor. I'm here to help you on your healing journey and help you feel like you're not alone. This is not to be a replacement of your own professional medical and or legal advice. This podcast contains adult language and content. Listener discretion is advised. Today's guest is going to remain anonymous for safety and protection reasons, but she's coming today to share her brave story of how she survived and learned to thrive after domestic abuse. Hello and welcome to the Secrets in the Powder Room podcast. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good to you, Louise. Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. So thank you for coming in today and sharing your story. You're welcome. Awesome. So what secrets have you been keeping out of fear or shame? I was in an abusive relationship. Okay. And where would you like to start the story? Where shall we start? Maybe when you met him? I met him in a nightclub. We okay. were basically a one-night stand. Well, I went clubbing again the next weekend. And then the same thing happened. I went home with him. On that Saturday. Okay. And was that a whirlwind romance when you first met him? Yeah, it was like everything that I ever dreamt of. He was this bad boy persona that it just like made me tingle inside. The butterflies really smiley around him. Literally, he made me fall in love at first sight with him. And how soon after meeting each other did you actually officially form a relationship? Literally two weeks. Two weeks, wow. So tell me a little bit more about them, that first two weeks. Them two weeks was the amazing, most amazing two weeks. Like we went out together, went out clubbing together. I literally moved in with him a week after the relationship started. And then we was with each other every day. We went out nice places, restaurants, etc. And it was like a whirlwind of romance. It was crazy how fast this had all happened. Yeah. And what was the first inkling of a red flag that you noticed? When I was like to him, I'm going to go to my mum's for the weekend. I'm like missing my family, you know what I mean? But I haven't seen my family in like three weeks. I haven't seen my mum in like three weeks almost. Yeah. I've spoken to her on the phone, but I haven't seen her. Okay. And I just... Wanted to go home, see my mum. And then he was like, well, no, you're not going. And I went, what do you mean I'm not going? And then he was like, you're staying home. From then, he was like, you're staying here. You're not going nowhere. He had locked me in. He'd locked you in. So it wasn't even like a playful, like, no, babe, I want you to stay, be with me. You're not allowed to go. He was literally like... Yeah, he had locked me in. And this was after just three weeks? Yeah, literally after three weeks. And I'm sitting there like, 
suck. I've got myself in another situation with a guy again. Before you said you were going home, was there anything that you can think of that you can kind of say that was probably a red flag? No, nothing at all. It was literally the first time he's ever done this. Okay, so what was going on at home when he was keeping you there? Obviously, I stayed in and it was sort of the point where he made me do all the cooking, the cleaning around the house. I was doing that for the whole time in the relationship. And then I said to him, babe, I'm in pain, I've got a headache. I need to get some paracetamol. I was like, I've got some paracetamol and I'd be both and take both. And at this point, he had to give me Adderall and uh, morphine. Wow. And how did them drugs affect you? It made me, like, wide awake. But then when he gave me the morphine, the morphine made me drowsy. So he gave you Adderall and morphine at the same time? Yeah, at literally the same time. And I was so drugged. I wasn't my normal self. Wow. Yeah, of course not. So he'd locked you in the house... You said you've had a headache and then he gave you both of these drugs. Yeah. When you're in a relationship, you don't expect them to give you another drug that isn't what they say it is. Like, they say ibuprofen and paracetamol. You expect to have ibuprofen and paracetamol, not Adderall and um, morphine. And why did he have these kind of tablets around the house? Did he have ADHD or something he needed morphine for? No, I don't know where he even got them from. I have no idea. And at what point did you realise that he'd given you drugs? Because it was like, to me, afterwards, he was like, you need more morphine. What, while you were still drugged or when you was normal again? While I was drugged, while I was in that state of mind. Do you think he said that by mistake or was he saying it to, to, to let you know I've given you morphine now? Yeah, and, like, you're under my control. And he would literally give me that every day throughout the whole relationship. So was he making you take this throughout the whole of the relationship? But I just took it to keep me going because i become addicted to it. Because I have addictive personality. And, obviously, once I have it once or twice, I want to keep doing it to keep me going. And then I was taking cocaine before we even got together. But my cocaine use got extremely worse while we were together to keep myself going. And was he using cocaine with you? Yeah, he was using cocaine. He was smoking cannabis. But was he taking morphine and Adderall with you? No, most definitely not. And then one night he injected me with heroin when I was asleep. And obviously I felt the pinch. like I felt it go in my skin and that's what woke me up. And I look down and I see it was brown in this syringe. Wow. So he was keeping me drugged at all times. He could have killed you. So after you had that feeling of having heroin in your body, do you think that he perhaps injected you with heroin before that time? Yeah. Like, he must have, but that was the first time I see it as such. Like, this is fast forward a couple more weeks from when he, like, locked me in. Okay. And did he use heroin? No. Which was crazy to me. Like, how the hell have you got this and you know how to do it? Wow, that is scary shit. And from then, it was like I was constantly drugged. 
we would go to the same nightclub we met at in a nightclub. He gaslighted me for the first time. Okay, and what do you mean by gaslighting? What happened there? We was dancing, obviously, I was drugged, I was drinking. We was dancing on the dance floor, and then he pulled me away, and he took me outside. He was like, why are you grinding on that white boy? And I was like, I haven't, I don't know what you're on about, I didn't do it. I was like, I was dancing on you, with you. And from then, it made me sit there and think to myself, have I actually done this? And then it got to the point where I actually was starting to believe I had done it. And I was going along with it. And I was like, I'm so sorry, babe. I love you. I don't want anyone else but you. Because he was so persistent that I had done it. But then my best friend was in the club with me at the time. And she went to me, he's gaslighting you. And you can't even see it. And I was like, I don't know what you're on about. I love him. He's pitch perfect. He's everything. So even after he'd locked you in the house and you knew he was drugging you, you still felt like this way about him? I was already too deep in at this point. And how long into the relationship was this? This was probably like two months in. Okay. So what happened next? When we got home after that had happened, we was just going mad, like to the point he was punching the walls, the doors, and then he was just screaming at you, white little bitch, you're my bitch. He was just going mad and he was screaming at you're a whore. Wow, it must have been so frightening for you. From then, he had grabbed me by my hair at this point and thrown me at the front door, thrown me, yeah, literally onto the door, so my head banged on the door. Wow, was you okay? Like, how did you deal with this? I was screaming, stop, like, I'm sorry, stop it. Like, calm down, please, let me, let's talk about this, let's not fight. And this was all because you allegedly was dancing with another man in a club? Yeah. In front of him? Yeah. And then after it, he, he sat down on the floor with me after me crying. He was like, I'm so sorry, I'm never going to do it again. Okay. And did you believe him? Yeah, like a fool. And then he was like, it's the cocaine, it's the drugs making me paranoid, making me see things. And hallucinating. He would just keep saying this story to make me feel like maybe it was a one-time thing and he would never do it again. Little did I know that was just the start. So was that it resolved for the evening? Yeah, we would go to sleep and then the next morning we wake up and then he goes, how did you feel grinding on the boy then last night? Oh, so it wasn't resolved or forgotten? No. And then I was like, did I? In my own head. And I'm like, this is crazy. And at this point, I sat there and was like, maybe I have. And I put in my own head that I have because he's drilled in. Because why the hell would he keep going on about it? Why would he have he hurt me if it wasn't true? And what was going through your head in this moment? I forgot myself in another situation. And when you get to that realisation that you've got yourself into a situation or you've been, unfortunately, you're in a situation that you're out of control of, you've got no control of this, it affects everything, doesn't it? So how did this affect you in your life? Oh, it affected me massively. Like It affected me to the point where it was affecting my 
work life, my family life, my friendship life. My mental health was a big impact. My physical health was bad at this point. I lost a lot of weight, and I mean a lot of weight in a short amount of time. And it got to the point where I didn't want to be alive anymore. And why was that? Was that because you felt trapped and like you couldn't get out of this relationship? Yeah, I felt like I was trapped. Like, no matter what I would do, he would have me under his spell. Okay. And did you manage to get any time away from him in this period of time? I went to my mum's, I packed my bags and I was like, I'm going to my mum's for a break. So he obviously let you go this time. And how long was this break for? The break only lasted two days. And why was that? He called me, he was calling me all the time. He kept calling my mum. At this point, I had told my mum a little bit what was happening. And he kept calling her, calling me. And then it got to the point where I answered in the end. And I said, I'm not coming home until you change. And he was like, I'm changing, I want to get all the help. And then he called me the next day, he was like, can we have a talk in the car? And I was like, yeah. So we talked in the car and he was like to me, you need to get your bags. And where I was with him, I was like, sick. And then he went up to my mum's flat with me, got my bags, and then he was like, we're going home. And how did you feel at this time? I felt trapped and I felt like maybe he is going to change. And did he? No. Like, fuck, did he? But you sit there when you love someone so much, you sit there and go to yourself, I really, really hope he's going to change. I hope things are going to change. Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. Totally been there. Like, you would sit there, put all your hope, all your heart, sweat and tears, blood and everything into it, going, I'm going to stand by him. I stand by him too long. And how did you get out in the end? He was out with his friend. This was about one o'clock in the morning. He had left the bottom lock unlocked on the door. That means I could go out. But he he forgot to do it where he would always do it. So it was this one-time thing. And I packed my bags, first thing I did. Ah, so he'd always go out and lock the door. And this one time he forgot to lock it. Yeah, and I just called... My friend, I'm a male friend, and I was like, can you come and pick me up, please? And he was like, why? I was like, you're right about this guy. He picked me up. I went to my dad's for the day after that had happened, and my dad was like, I don't know what you want to do. You can't move back on. But what made me leave him was because where I'd went through a lot at this stage towards the end, and where he had abused me in every type of way, my brain, every time he did it, like my brain would start to burn and my body just, like, freezes. And then, like, my, my body was going weird. And he would just check my phone, go, who's this? He would sit there reading messages between me and my mum, me and my dad, me and my family. Well, yeah, he was really controlling you and keeping you and isolating you from your family and friends, wasn't he? And I think, you know, you said that you're, he was in fight or flight, flight mode, so your adrenaline and cortisol cortisol levels your stress hormones were so high that that must have been really confusing hence the you know the the way your brain was feeling and not to mention all the drugs that he was giving you I mean that must have with the concoction of your hormones and all the drugs no wonder you were feeling this way so what made you leave in the end what made me leave was we had got into an argument and then 
he's just strangled me, grabbed me by the air, slapped me, punched me at this point in the living room. And then it got to the point where he just grabbed me by my hand, chucked me on the bed. And then he pinned me down and slapped me again. And then he raped me. Wow, that must have been so difficult for you and so frightening. And I'm so sorry that happened to you. And I just want to say thank you so much for coming and sharing your story on here because I know there's so many people out there who will listen to this and understand this and get this and have been through this and make them, and this will help them to feel like they're really not alone and that there is help out there and there is hope. Rape is such a damaging thing and it's not uncommon. Like it happens to so many girls and women. In most, you know, most girls and women have had some sort of sexual encounter that they didn't want at some point in their lives. And I think it's really important to have an understanding of this and the fact that no means no. And sometimes, I know obviously in your case, this was more of a violent rape. But sometimes when we don't understand, and you know, men and women don't understand that it's not okay. You don't have a right to have sex with your partner just because your partner's with somebody doesn't mean you have the right to their body. And we all have the right to say no. And often, you know, especially with an abusive partner, they may use that as one of their tactics to keep you controlled and, you know, humiliated. And it's a way of them knowing and letting you know that they have the power. And yeah, it's sad. But unfortunately, sometimes this is a real hard realisation when you find out or you realise that actually your ex-partner or your partner is actually raping you on a regular basis. And when this happened to you, you must have you must have felt so frightened. Like, can you tell us how you were feeling at that time? And can you remember how you were feeling at that time? Mm-hmm. I generally thought I was going to die in that relationship. And I think if I would have stayed longer in that relationship, it probably would have killed me. Yeah, quite possibly, with all the drugging you and beating you. So thank goodness you're out. And now you are safe and away. I'm safe, I'm sound. So how did all of this, what was ha- what happened to you, affect you? My confidence shattered massively. And it got to the point where I didn't even know myself anymore. I didn't know anything I liked. All I knew that I needed to get out. And I left and that was the end of the story. I blocked him, muted, unknown caller. So you mentioned before that you went to your dad's and he said you couldn't stay there. So what happened? Where did you go? What did you do? Did you go to your mum's? I couldn't go back home to my mum. So at this point, I'm literally homeless. My aunt and granddad picked me up at my dad's. I stayed there for a while and then I ended up getting a flat. And now you're safe and you're moving on with your life. So tell us, what's the next steps for you? My next step is to help other women. Awesome. And is there any advice that you would give to anyone who's maybe stuck in an abusive relationship and trying to get out? Always write a journal about it. And if you can, try your hardest to let someone know what's happening. Do whatever you can to get out. There is so much stuff I wish I would have done to get out sooner. You have a voice, you can use it. Don't make a man silence you. So try your hardest to not let them 
take over. And I would suggest with any women that's going for it, while your partner's at work, out, shopping, whatever, etc., call Women's Aid. You could get into a woman's refuge. They will pay for your train tickets. If you are fleeing from a domestically abusive relationship, train fare is free. There's Routes Refuge. I would highly suggest to call Women's Aid and get out as soon as you can and report it to the police as soon as possible, if you haven't already. And make sure you access rape crisis and make sure you contact a therapy. Don't do this alone. Yeah, if you can get in contact with your local domestic abuse charity, whether that be Women's Aid or Solace, or also you can call the National Domestic Violence Helpline and get some advice there. I would also recommend that if you're going to do a safety plan, do it with a professional, get the help and make sure that you're keeping yourself safe and your family safe. And if you're keeping a journal, you know, you might need to keep some journal for evidence some some evidence um, login. But just make sure, again, that that journal is kept somewhere where they will ne- where they will never see it, because we don't want you to put you in any extra danger. And as women, we should stand together and fight. Yes, us women need to stick together. Women supporting women. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. And I hope that it helps lots of women out there who might be stuck in a relationship or been through in a relationship and just understand what you've been through. And is there anything else that you want to add? Just get out, girls. Yes, utilise all the resources that are out there. There is lots of resources out there and you just need to look in the right places. There is so much help out there. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Secrets in the Power Room. Look out for the bonus episode on this episode where I will unpack and explain all the different tactics used in this story. And if you've been affected by domestic abuse, please reach out to the National Domestic Abuse Violence Helpline or your local domestic abuse services. And if you are in any immediate danger, call 999. And don't forget to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode.